Do you guys ever think you're like good at something, but you haven't done it for a long time? So you try to like do it again? Well, I tried to record the cold open before by doing my Gene Honda impersonation and it's not good. And now I have to give you my Gene Honda impersonation. It's time for Locked On Socks. You are Locked On White Sox, your daily Chicago White Sox podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm sorry you had to hear it. And honestly, I'm sorry you had to hear my Macho Man a couple episodes again. I haven't worked on the impressions and they're not they're not good. But oh yeah, it's time for Locked On Socks. I've been working on it. Maybe it's better. Welcome to Locked On Socks. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. Thank you for making Lockdown White Sox your first listen each and every day. We're free and available on all platforms. We're free and available on all platforms for people to listen to Lockdown Sox for the first time. And if this is the first episode you picked, man, you picked an interesting one because now I'm breaking out all my bad impressions. So I'm sorry. Here on Lockdown Sox today, we are going to be opening up the Wednesday mailbag. That's completely different uh, than the Monday mailbag. That one actually has herbs. Uh, voice as the voicemail greeting. So it's a little bit different. We like to throw a curveball there. But on this Wednesday mailbag, you're going to have some familiar faces. We got Mark in the park calling back and Alex in Bolingbrook returning. And then we have a different Sean. And when I say a different Sean, I'm saying S-H-A-W-N. That's a completely different name. It's not even close or related to Sean, S-E-A-N, which is the right way to spell it. And if you're going to go to my Twitter, Sean underscore W underscore Anderson, you should spell it S-E-A-N because if you spell it any other way, you won't find me. Like I said, this podcast is available anywhere there are podcasts. It's free and available on all platforms. We're working on YouTube. We're, I'm, I'm like, I'm telling you, it's, it's very close. Within the next week, I will have a YouTube video up. Right now, I have a ring light on just to kind of get used to it. I'm picturing this is what outfielders do because I can't imagine looking into the sun. I can't look into the sun with sunglasses on and they're trying to find a little white ball up in the sky. Impossible. I, I'm looking at a ring light right now in my closet and I'm going blind, but I'll go blind for you. I'll go blind for you to see my face and, and my closet, right? I have, a, I have a lovely set in here. It's a wall and then the coat behind me. And also speaking of the coat, just one more quick impression. It's like a, it's a Richie April. So imagine I'm in Tony Soprano's driveway. I'm about to give you the jacket. You ask what jacket and I say, what jacket? The jacket! And just a reminder, I said it was quick, not good. Hopefully that was under 10 seconds. We are now going to go to the Wednesday mailbag, or also formerly known as What Up Wednesday. We now go to that Wednesday mailbag, and we are opening up an email from Other Sean. Again, this is S-H-A-W-N. Totally different than S-E-A-N. You, maybe you, Sean Green comes to mind. He wasn't a White Sox but he was a baseball player. Other Sean said, Good afternoon. First time writing since the change, but I still love the show. Thank you very much, Other Sean. Good job, Sean. And he spelled it mine the right way that I spell it. He spelled it S-E-A-N, which is nice of him. As a displaced White Sox fan in Ohio, originally from South Bend, I thought the Kyle Schwarber in right field talk was crazy. I will say I work in a building in Kyle Schwarber's hometown that has a monument of him hanging in the city building I work in. Sean... Sean, other Sean, S-H-W-A-N, 
please attach a photo to your next email of that Kyle Schwarber uh, memorial or what is it? Monument? Monument. Monument sounds very large. I would love to see a photo of this. And if they sign Kyle Schwarber, I will go to his hometown. Where is Kyle Schwarber's hometown? I'm sorry. This is gonna, this is already a long email, and now I'm going to get off track because a, they built a monument for Kyle Schwarber in Middletown, Ohio. Okay, Middletown, Ohio. Oh, they, there's also a Middle Field, Ohio. We don't want to go there. Go Kyle Schwarber, uh, Kyle Schwarber, Middletown images. Um, nothing pops up. Ooh, he used to be a linebacker, which makes sense for his body type. Uh, I'm not seeing it, so I don't want to waste too much time. Other Sean, you're going to have to send in a picture. Please send in a picture of Kyle Schwarber's uh, Middletown, Ohio monument that I will I will go and see if uh, if the White Sox sign him. Sean said, that being said, he should not be in right field, but as a DH and back up to Eloy in left field. Engel needs to be the everyday right field for defense, and he's above average on offense with Vaughn backing him up. Schwarber solves the lefty bat that is needed, and now you can use Vaughn and Sheets as they need to grow. No need to have them in the lineup every day. Sheets and Vaughn as backup outfielders slash DH is a good thing. And then in bold, he, he put it in bold, so I need to convey to you that in bold, Other Sean put all in on Schwarber. Now, other Sean, I'm just gonna use you as a conversation piece here because you wrote a, a you know a couple paragraphs here for me. So I'll, I'll first address the first paragraph, and I would say that I would disagree that Sheets and Vaughn as backup outfielders and DH is a good thing, just because if Andrew Vaughn is up on the major league roster, he needs to be getting close to, if not every day, playing time. I mean, he's a number one prospect that has not had any work in the minor leagues and struggled at the back half of last year. And I would worry that that would really halt his progression. I understand that, you know, this is a very important window for the White Sox, but this is also a very important window for Andrew Vaughn. He still needs to grow. So I think that, you know, this point, and just to tweak it a little bit, I mean, like Vaughn and Sheets as backup outfielders in DH would be a great thing, let's say in September. But I think to start the season, if you do sign Schwarber and the plan is for him to be the DH, Engel as your right fielder, Eloy and left, Vaughn would then just start 2022 in Charlotte. He can be sent down. He has all of his options, I think, because when did he use them? I don't I don't understand how a minor league uh, service time works. I, I honestly never cared about the subject, um, but I, I have to think his 120 games uh, didn't eat up too much of his service time. So I think that, you know, if your argument is that, you don't trust Andrew Vaughn right now in right field every day and that you do trust Adam Engel. I mean, health outside of the question because, you know, Engel and Vaughn both have health issues. I worry about Engel a little bit more than than Vaughn only being able to play, what, 60 games in the, in the past two years. I, I would say I'm against it just because I'm such a fan of Andrew Vaughn and I think that he proved to me last year that he is ready for the major leagues. I understand that he didn't have any minor league time, but I could see the benefits of him starting in Charlotte. I mean, being able to grow your confidence down there, especially after going against major league pitching in I, what I would say is like, you know, if, if major league baseball ever used metal bats, I mean, that's, that Charlotte park is insane for power. So Andrew Vaughn could really have some fun down there. So I think that your plan of, you know, sheets, DHing, angle in right field, Eloy in left, I, th I think it would be fine to start the season, but I, I also think that 
you know, does that mean then Jake Berger is going to be your your backup DH as well? Like, would he be splitting times with time with Sheets? I would be more comfortable, I guess, with Berger sitting on the bench and just being used every other day as a as a backup DH to start the season more than Vaughn, because while Berger, you know, still needs to grow, I think that he is, and especially at his age due to his injuries, he's his his you know major league clock is is basically ready. I don't think that he needs too much seasoning, at least against pitching down in Charlotte. So I, I could see a, a route where, you know, this whole offseason plan is thrown off by Andrew Vaughn going down to Charlotte to start the season. I don't think he needs it. I think he was fine in right field. I think he was fine with the bat. I think he just needs to work on his stamina, his strength, and hopefully he can get through 162. But hey, I've not been evaluating baseball my whole life, and the White Sox have. So and, and just with them being closer to the situation, I guess not with the lockout, uh, maybe I should maybe I should talk to Andrew Vaughn. I I would be fine if Vaughn did start 2022 in Charlotte. So let's let's just focus on the main part. Sean's all in on Schwarber. Going to the second paragraph. One other thing is Jake Berger. I think him learning second base is a great step for him, especially if Leary is the everyday second baseman. We need to be real that Berger cannot play second base every day, but he needs to put himself in line to be fighting Mendick and Rami for the backup infielder spot. If he could sub in at second base and play third, he has a better chance to make the team. With Leary being able to move over to shortstop to give Tim a day off, there is no need for the backup infielder to be able to play short. Jake just wants to make the team, and I think it's a smart move. Uh, real quick, uh, Sox in the Basement had an interview with Jake Berger. I have not had the time to listen to it as of yet, but I believe that the title was Jake Berger Likes Trolling uh, About Second Base. So I don't even know if second base is in Jake Berger's future or if he was just yanking the chain of, uh, of Parkins and Spiegel who asked him about second base. And Jake Berger, who's going on for mental health, being so open and honest, I think it was probably tough that he might have been joking in the moment. So I'm going to have to go listen to how he explained himself uh, in Socks in the Basement because he might have just been trolling, which is which is a great job by uh, by Jake Berger because he sold the hell out of it. And again, like last year, he only played 35, I think, cumulative innings uh, at, at second base. So I don't know if it truly is a viable option, but he did say he's slimming down and maybe, you know, again, he is a ball player. Maybe he'd be able to figure it out. But it seems that if Jake makes the major league roster to start the season, it's because his bat is ready. And he does have the most ready bat out of Mendick and Rami. I mean, Mendick is very good in spots. And again, Mendick has major league moments, but he isn't a, a true guy in the long term. Uh, but I love that Mendick's able to play anywhere and is willing to play anywhere. And I think that Jake has the, the same fighting spirit uh, as Mendick. And other Sean wraps up his email by saying, no matter who they sign to play DH, right field, or second base, the bigger question is the starting rotation. Kopech is great, but can his innings eat up that much? They either need Raylo to pick up a lot of spot starts or add someone. Who do you think they should look to add when the lockout is over? Well, that's a that's a good uh, way to explain myself because I think that they should go after Colin McHugh. Uh, Jordan Lazowski and I, uh, I think it was two Fridays ago, uh, talked about how they need to sign one more reliever, and they'd probably be looking in that $8 million range. I think McHugh would be in that range. He was on the Rays last year, and he was phenomenal. 1.5 ERA, 64 innings, 9.3 whip, 10 strikeouts per nine and this is a guy that was a starter uh, at one point in his career uh, he was a starter with houston in 2014 15 and 16 and he can provide length i mean he's had 
seasons, and this was 2018 and 2019 before COVID, uh, where he was going 72 and 74 innings. So I think that, you know, spot starts or even just, you know, the the starter role, um, he can go three innings, I think, to start a game for you. And I think that at $8 million, he'd be absolutely worth it because not only is he lights out in short situations, he also has that ability to at least give you some length out of the bullpen. And hey, I'm not worried if Raylo has to give us some spot starts. I think Raylo is probably good for 12 to 15 spot starts and his fastball slider combo with LASIK Lopez, like I mean, I I'm I'm buying into LASIK Lopez. I, I I really liked what I saw from from Reynaldo last year. So thank you, Sean, for the email. Again, you can write in lockedonsocks at gmail.com or you can go and call at 312-566-8727. You can leave us a voicemail. We got voicemails coming after the break, and I have to tell you about some friends that I'm gonna be making tonight. I'm very excited, but we already have some friends. In Built Bar. It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure to include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. You want to eat healthy, but it gets so boring. By week three, you might be thinking, this is just not worth it. Where's the chocolate? Well, Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. And in this ad read, they didn't mention this. I'm putting this in there. They don't even, I don't think candy bars have protein. I interrupt this ad read because my girlfriend said that some candy bars might have protein, like paydays or Snickers because of the peanuts. Anyways, sorry for the bad info. I can claim, though, that candy bars don't have these great flavors to choose from, like coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, and many more. In fact, Built is coming out with new limited-time flavors all the time. So check out built.com often to see what's new. Go to built.com, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Thank you for making Lockdown White Sox your first listen each and every day. We're free and available on all platforms. And do you know who I think knows that? Our dear friend here on Lockdown Sox, Mark in the Park. Hey, Sean, it's Mark in Litchfield Park calling about uh, these solutions for second base and right field. You know, I know I'm the ray of sunshine, but going by past experience, the Sox don't like to spend money. Uh, they'd rather trade players, and I don't see what they have as assets to trade to get what they need at the at the current time. And, um, you know, Schwarber is a nice player. Uh, he is a defensive liability. He's also shown some propensity for his own injuries and not being available. And still doesn't hit left-handers very well. Um, I know we have some solutions on the team in that regard, but, uh, yeah, his slugging, his power drops off uh, significantly against left-handed pitching. So I don't know. I, I don't know what the solutions are. And it's hard to even guess because, like I said, the Sox don't like to spend money, so I, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm fearful it's going to—they're going to run it back with what they have, and uh, those holes are going to cost them. So, thanks. All right, Mark. I took some notes on your call here, and this is what I got. Um, I wrote down that um, Fred keeps barking in the background. 
Um, I also made a little note here uh, that you should tell Fred that I say hi. Um, hello, Fred. And if you guys don't know who Fred is, Fred is Mark's dog. So shout out to Fred. And the other notes that I took were you said Schwarber is a defensive liability. And I cannot disagree with that. I, however, do think that Andrew Vaughn would be the right fielder. And I think that Kyle Schwarber would get most of his at-bats uh, at DH. So I wouldn't be too worried about the defense. But I understand why you're making the point because it's not a wrong point. I mean, Kyle Schwarber last year in the outfield was worth negative five defensive run saved which if you're not into analytics um that would fall under the category of bad that's not good you don't want that that would fall under the category of defensive liability so defensive liability we can go with a check you said the white Sox don't like to spend money that's another check um that's absolutely correct and we'll get to that point a little bit later and then the other point that i want to talk about and go a little bit more in depth in uh, is that and i think this is quote for quote you said he is stinky versus left-handed pitching which was i thought was a very uh, unique choice of words there uh, mark in the park however i have to defend my boy here i have to defend kyle schwarber and you're right that his career numbers are ugly against left-handed pitching uh 361 slugging percentage which again that would fall under the category of bad however something that i you know kind of found out in my little deep dive is it got better last year was his career high in slugging percentage versus left-handed pitching at 398 which is more respectable and he had a higher obp and average versus left-handed hitting so i would say he's not worthless against left-handed hitting i think that he's made a ton of improvements to his swing so i don't you know it's not going to take one entire season. And like you said, he has dealt with some injuries, 113 games played last year. Uh, I, I would say that I think if he got more opportunities against left-hand hitters, I think that he could become a pretty serviceable player against both handedness. Um, and something else too, 2000 career plate appearances versus right-handed pitching for Kyle Schwarber. Compare that to 584 career plate appearances versus left-handers. So the sample size is very small for Schwarber. And while you said and mentioned that he has had his own injury issues, I just think that it really hasn't given him stability to stay in the lineup enough. But he's improving. And I honestly think that he'd be fine. I'm not too worried about his splits against left-handers. And the more I looked at the data, I first got really worried. Again, 361 career is very worrying. But I think that he is an improving hitter. And I, I would not be afraid uh, to see him get you know pretty decent amount of left-handed hitting uh, in 2022 for whatever team picks him up. You know, that guy's been hitting out of the womb. That guy's been hitting pitching in Middletown, Ohio uh, since since birth, and that's why they built the giant monument uh, to him. So I'm all for Schwarber, and I, I understand that you're saying the Sox don't like to spend money, and you're absolutely right that the White Sox have nothing to trade. So the White Sox are at a weird crossroad right here. If they're serious about winning a title, they spend money. If they're not serious about it, then they won't win a World Series. Scott Boris will take all of their pitching away, and they will be considered and seen as a broke franchise. I think Patrick Nolan tweeted this today. 2026 and 2027 cannot be the realistic window for this team. If the White Sox are serious about having a parade, and if Rick Hahn wants to stand there and say, ask me after the parade, then the team needs to spend money or they need to trade every prospect they have to make the proper improvements. So Mark, I'm, I understand your point. Not everybody's going to love Schwarber. If you like Conforto, that's fine. But what we agree as, as White Sox fans, is the White Sox need to spend money. And I understand they signed Keuchel 
They signed Robert. They signed Eloy Jimenez. They signed Yasmani Grandal. They signed Liam Hendricks. They have spent all of the big money in franchise history, Liam Hendricks, Yasmani Grandal, on positions that are historically cheaper than all of the other ones. Closing pitchers don't cost as much as franchise third baseman. 29-year-old catchers who turn into Barry Bonds, that guy is cheaper than Cowboy who just earned $325 million. Yeehaw, failure. So, Mark, I agree with you that the White Sox, you know, historically haven't spent money, but something needs to change. And I honestly was trying to allude to that point when I talked about the what if uh, from last Wednesday about Jock Jones possibly signing with the White Sox in, in 2006. This team's coming off a World Series and yes, they had a very high budget, $102 million, but they weren't the top team in the major leagues. They were coming off a World Series and if they spent a little bit more money, they still wouldn't have been near the top of the MLB payroll wise, but they would have been able to properly fill out center field, which could have helped them win another title. And do you guys remember when Tanny described me as hot headed when I took over? I'm honestly getting a little bit too hot in this uh, this closet right now, getting my, my blood's boiling a bit uh, by this topic. So I hope that, uh, you know, in this lockout state right here, we don't have to think about the, the White Sox propensity to not spend money, right? Let's spend, let's just sit in this nice little warm closet and think about the White Sox spending I don't know. I just thought two years, 30 million would be okay for Kyle Schwarber. I'm not even saying, you know, triple digits here. We don't have to set a franchise breaking record contract. All I'm asking for is a player to be signed who possibly, honestly, possibly could be Babe Ruth. We don't know yet. Jury's still out. Let's go to Alex in Bolingbrook, who is definitely not Babe Ruth. Oh, sorry. Oop, excuse me. Got to fit an ad read in here. Bet Online would like to wish you a happy betting new year as they continue their march into the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all sports wagering action for 2022. It's a new year, and Bet Online has a new updated desktop and mobile website. Go to betonline.ag to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code Locked on to get started from football to basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Again, go to their new updated desktop and mobile website, betonline.ag, to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code Locked on to get started. Bet online where the game starts. What's up, Sean? Alex from Bolingbrook calling in again. I've got another prompt for you today for uh, the next mailbag. Curious to hear your responses for this. In the event that Hollywood decides to smarten up and decide to make a movie about the greatest championship team, in baseball history, obviously the 2005 White Sox, who would you pick to play some of our favorite, our favorite players and staff members of that 05 championship team? I'm sincerely curious. Uh, one of the things that's kind of popped up into my head uh, would be Marky Mark Wahlberg's Joe Creedy, because he just seems like someone who I'd always picture having a mullet. Anyway, I'm curious who you would pick to uh, play our favorite White Sox players when they decide to inevitably make a movie about this legendary team. What up? 
Alex. Thank you for the call. I really appreciate it. If you want to get a voicemail in, you can call in at 312-566-8727, or you can write in at LockedOnSocks at gmail.com. Uh, Alex, this is a crazy question. Um, I don't know if they're going to be making a, a, a movie on the 2005 White Sox. I, on, I honestly hate to break it to you. I just don't see it happening. And I also, I don't, is Mark Wahlberg even tall enough to be Joe Creedy? I always pictured Joe Creedy be like 6'4". Is he a short king? I, I think it would be great now if I was misremembering the size of Joe Creedy and he was actually just the size of Jose Altuve. You know, just picture it. 2005 World Series. Joe Creedy, he's lifting up the the trophy, and he's the size of the opponent's future second base MVP and uh, cheater as well, Jose Altuve, right? 5'6 king. That'd be crazy. Creedy was 6'3 and Wahlberg's 5'8, so I just, I really, I really don't picture that happening. I'm looking at Joe Creedy right now. And my mind just goes to Chris Pratt, but I honestly think that's just because of Moneyball. Uh, so I don't know if I'm going to be any help in here. I'm not a casting director. I think if that movie gets made, I think you're making it with Southsiders. I think I got to find a buddy that looks like Joe Creedy. I think I got to find a guy that looks like Paul Konerko. We got to go get Juan Uribe because that one just makes the most sense. I mean, he'd be electric in that movie. So I think that's how I'd cast it. I cast me and a couple buddies and Juan Uribe. And then if we're getting Juan, then maybe we'll go get Bailey or Burley. Um, if you don't know that story, go listen to Herb and Tanny's interview of Joe Cowley. Uh, you'll hear a lot of Juan Uribe stories and uh, stories of him calling Mark Burley Bailey. Uh, I love that man. <laughs> I love Mark Burley. And uh, that, that conversation between Herb, Tanny, and Joe uh, was fantastic. So if you guys got free time, it's a lockout. It's cold. No one wants to go outside. You can always go back and listen to some of the great content uh, that, that we have in the Lockdown Sox universe. Thank you, Alex, for the prompt. I tried my best to answer it. Now, real quick, I have two things, two more uh, topics uh, before we wrap up this podcast. One is very good news and the other one is bad news. But maybe you already have heard the bad news, so it might not be as painful. But yay, good news. We'll start with the good news first. Uh, tonight, uh, I'm currently recording this on Tuesday. It is Wednesday, January 19th, as you're listening to this. Unless you're listening to it on Thursday, then it's January 20th. If you're listening to it on any different day, you'll have to figure it out and do the math. But tonight, which is January 18th, I am going to be a guest on the Good Guys Talk Back podcast with Nick Morawski and Pat Hester. And I'm very excited. I get to meet some new friends. And I, I spent spent my day listening to their podcast and they open with Thunderstruck. So I got all jacked and amped. And, you know, I'm excited to go talk to some White Sox fans. They describe their podcast as White Sox fans. And, uh, you know, if you guys want to go check me out on that podcast, that'd be great. I'm going to have hopefully a fun time with Nick and Pat. Herb said that uh, he was on there before and they ask very thoughtful and intelligent questions. So go check them out. Good Guys Talk Back podcast. And you can go to our Twitter at Lockdown Socks. I will definitely uh, post a link so you guys can find that. Or you can go to my Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. You'll be able to find that link when it's ready. But uh, Good Guys Talk Back, Nick Morawski and Pat Hester. I'll be on with them tonight and I'm very excited. And now the bad news. And if you haven't heard, um, unfortunately, radio legend in Chicago, Les Grobstein, passed away this Sunday at the age of 69. And if you did not know who Les Grobstein was, he was the overnight host on 670 The Score, where I am a producer at. And I just wanted to take some time because on Monday, I was a part of the Mark Grody and Rick Camp tribute show to Les's life. 
Uh, they filled in for the Dan Bernstein and Layla Rahimi show on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. And it was a great show. It went really well. A lot of people, you know, really enjoyed how Grody and Rick Camp and our guest talked about Lest and they had all great stories to share about the grabber. And last night I was able to call into Mark Grody, who was filling in Les's spot last night from 12 a.m. to 5 a.m. I called around 12.30 and got to talk to Grody. He said, you know, if any producers or any former, former co-workers active or, or uh, past were listening to call in, and it felt like he was calling me out. So I dialed into Grody, and I got I got some thoughts uh, out about Les, but I really haven't been able to put my, my full thoughts uh, together. And they come a little bit more clear the more I am away from the situation. And it, it, Les means a lot to the score. He means a lot to all the producers. He means a lot to all the hosts. He's unique. I think that's what everyone was trying to express over the past two days, that Les was such a unique individual. And that's really what he was. He was an individual. He had his family. He had his longtime girlfriend, Kathy. Les also had a son, Scott, who sounds basically like a younger Les, and it's, it, it is mind-blowing. And Les had grandkids as well. But Les was an individual. Les Grobstein was the grobber. There was no one else like him. You cannot describe him by being like, oh, you know, he's kind of like so-and-so. No, Les Grobstein is like Les Grobstein, and there is no one else like him. But he means a lot to the producers at 670 The Score, because if you had first words on 670 The Score, if you were able to open one of the mics and talk out into the airwaves, it was likely first on the Les Grobstein show. And I can't say this again clear enough. It was such a unique experience to work for him. But no matter how, you know, slow the night was, maybe there wasn't too many callers. Maybe the night was really hectic with a lot of crazy callers. Maybe there was a lot of prank calls just ruining my night. And hey, maybe Les annoyed me with all of his audio requests. There was times where Les would try to communicate to me that he put something in the system. He would always refer to it as the vault. I was never an employee there when they had the vault. So Les was always telling me stuff that he possibly could have put in 20 years ago. Hey, can you check the system and see if the Illinois fight song's in there and make sure it's the right one? I made sure I put it in there years ago. It's in there. It's the right one. You got to play this one. It's 32 seconds, not 48. I mean, not only did the man have the memory of an encyclopedia, he also had the energy of like a jackrabbit. I mean, this man, I don't think ever had a silent moment to himself. He was always thinking. He was always remembering. He was always in the mind of Les Grobstein, a place that we could only imagine because he, again, was just unique. There will never be someone like Les Grobstein, and I'm very thankful for the opportunity that he gave me and all my fellow co-workers and producers. I told this to Mark Grody last night, and I will uh, communicate it to you right now. I used to shake before I would open the mic on Les. When I first started his shows, I would shake because I was so afraid to talk. I didn't know what to talk about. I was so afraid I'd sound stupid, and now I talk to myself in my closet. And I'm pretty sure I, I can thank Les Gropstein for that. I wouldn't be in this closet right now talking to myself if it wasn't for Les Gropstein. Thank you, Les, and you will be dearly, dearly missed. I will talk to you on Friday on Locked on Socks.